Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. We are deep, deep into 2022 now. I'm sure some of you are writing 21 still on some things, even though, even though I don't, I don't feel like we write the year as much as we used to. Like maybe as students, we just wrote it more because the teacher always said, write, you know, the class period and the date on the top with your name and all that stuff. So I feel like as students, we wrote it more anyway. Welcome to the second week of 2022, January 2022. Uh, we got a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, TDEA, the dance convention, uh, was a smash hit. I didn't go, but I, you know, as most of us do, we probably have lots of dance teachers on our feed. Maybe I have more than others just because, um, I don't know. I think it's cool to be friends with dancers. They're prettier than us. I don't know. Anyway, uh, delete that from the record, please. Thank you. Uh, but it was uh, apparently a smash hit. And students attend TDEA, so it's kind of their thespian festival. But the students that attend have qualified for... Anyway, uh, it looked good. That leads me into the TTEC world. Registration is over for the Texas Thespian Educator Conference that is happening uh, January 27th to the 30th. And I'm excited about it. We have had a couple of people say they're not coming anymore. Uh, so far, only one um, uh, person has said they can't attend and they were leading a workshop. So, you know, we've, we've got some openings to fill and I think I've got that taken care of. But I, I, I'm not too concerned about it. I hope I'm, I mean, maybe I'm completely naive and don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm hoping that things sort of plateau <clears throat> this week, actually, because we should be about we should be at least two weeks removed from Christmas, and so uh, I just I just hope I just hope 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 we are doing it regardless, uh, whether we're masked up and distanced and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, hopefully everybody, whether you have an opinion about it or not, is vaccinated. So. I don't know what's changing now uh, on the Supreme Court level. I think the Supreme Court is going to knock down uh, our president's mandate to to uh, businesses. But uh, our school uh, introduced the OSHA regulation that you have to be vaccinated or show a weekly negative test. And that is something that Biden has implemented. And, you know, I I, I'm, I had mixed feelings about how we were told about it and how we have to go about things. Now I'm fully vaccinated, boosted and everything boosted or boosted. Anyway, I am boost mobile and I'm, I'm fine. So I don't have to worry about it, but, uh, I get the whole privacy thing. Now, do I think you should get vaccinated? Yes. But do I think you are allowed to be private with your own private matters? Yes. But do I also think that maybe you're putting people at risk if you're not vaccinated? I don't know. Because there are a lot of breakthrough cases. A lot of people have gotten sick. I know quite a few people that have gotten sick that are fully vaxxed and, and boosted or boosted or boosted, whatever. Something on a on kind of a depressing note that I'll end with a, a happier note, but uh, a friend of mine, or a, really more of an acquaintance now, uh, because we, we hadn't seen each other in a very long time or worked together, but uh, Richard Solis, who was living in San Antonio uh, with his partner, uh, a brilliant, absolutely brilliant prop master, prop maker, uh, person that made props and made everything out of uh, masking tape. It was just, just he, I mean, it was incredible what the dude, he was the Aaron Martin of masking tape uh, and could just make anything out of it. Uh, he unfortunately passed away uh, about two weeks ago now and uh, had, had coronavirus. Uh, and I don't know if he was vaccinated or not. We, we didn't talk about it, uh, uh, or anything uh, prior to his passing, but uh, really sad. And I, I wanted to mention that last week, but I failed to mention that. 
but it, it hit a lot of people close to Houston and in the Houston area because he spent so much time here working and acting and just doing all kinds of brilliant work. So uh, my heart goes out to his family, his really close friends. You know, I'm not going to claim to be a, a friend or even a close friend. I, I just, I worked with him 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, and just thought the world of him uh, and never lost that feeling, but we just lost connection. We lost touch. So, uh, you know, uh, really, really keep keep Richard Solis and his family in your thoughts. On a lighter note... Uh, Annie Dragoo. Annie got her new heart, and that's awesome. And I don't know how that works. You know, I'm just assuming it's similar to uh, every other type of organ donation. Somebody unfortunately loses their life, and some of their organs are able to be sort of kept, I guess, and used f- to help others. And that's awesome. If you're an organ donor, I am. Um, so hopefully, I pass away in a way that my organs can be used for somebody else and used for good. But Annie went home this week after a long time in the hospital. I can't imagine what it's like to be in the hospital that long. When my mother was ill, we would spend a couple of weeks at a time in the hospital, but months, you know, we never did the whole, the, the length of time that Billy and Annie spent in there. And so I'm just, it's, Pardon the pun, but it's heartwarming to see the posts that Annie has put up there, the the sort of journaling, the the uh, the day to day or or almost day to day, you know, the updates, if you will, and then and then Billy's updates, and it's just really really nice. So uh, I you know not out of the woods yet. I'm assuming. I think I would assume again. I don't know, but I I think that uh, Billy made made mention of this. Uh, that it takes you know a while to really know if your body's going to fully accept a new organ, let alone a heart. So uh, keep your keep Annie in your thoughts. But for for what it looks like now, it's it's awesome. I mean, like it's it's literally a brand new life. It's I can't I just can't imagine the feeling that feeling of um, uh, being uncertain about things, and now you just have. Uh, almost, uh, uh, you, you just have this kind of feeling of like, I can do anything now. Uh, got a new heart and just keep on keeping on, man. So really great for Annie. Um, and, and that's about all I got this week. Uh, this week I haven't mentioned it yet. I have Crystal Smith and Crystal is somebody that I worked with in Fort Bend. She is still in Fort Bend at Kempner high school. She mentions that right off the top, but, uh, she is, just a fireball man. She's really, really, she's a lot of fun to work with and, uh, but can also switch on a dime in a good way and keep things very serious. She is, uh, I don't think she ever said that she is the facilitator, but she's the role that I played as well in Fort Bend, the the facilitator for high school theater educators in the district. And that just means kind of the first line of defense. I don't know what the order is in, in the military, but I would, I would say she's like the Lieutenant and then Travis is the captain and Travis Springfield, and then you go up to the general, you know, those kind of things. But anyway, she's kind of that first commander uh, or uh, whatever. I i wasn't in the military and never wanted to be. But uh, she is a really, really great uh, leader and a great educator. And I just think the world of Crystal Smith and, and her background and everything. And so she gets into some of that stuff, which I didn't know some of it, which was really great. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Again, I hope to see everybody safe and healthy at TTEC in a couple of weeks in Sugarland, Texas at the Marriott. And uh, yeah, have a great, wonderful, awesome week. Enjoy this week's interview with the Crystal Smith. I'm the head director over at Kentner High School in Fort Bend ISD. Um, it is my seventh year teaching and my seventh year at Kentner High School. And for me, theater was just something I did as a teenager. Um, I think my first show, actually, I was like 10 and I was Tiger Lily and I thought it was the best thing ever. Um, And then I went to Elkins High School in Fort Bend. So I'm a product of the district, teaching in the district. Um, And I played sports. Uh, I played volleyball and softball. 
Um, I also did theater all four years, um, mainly stage management, um, a few, you know, roles here and there. Um, but I didn't really think of it as a career. I didn't have Broadway stars in my eyes. You know, I just, this was a creative outlet. I enjoyed the ensemble. I enjoyed the leadership that I had within our department. Uh, but I was going to school to be a nurse. Um, and so I moved out of home. I went to UConn, started a nursing program. And then um, my father got sick, was diagnosed with cancer. And so I moved back home um, to help take care of my younger brothers and to be a caregiver for my dad and help out with my mom. Um, and I started taking classes at HCC just to keep um, my insurance mainly. <laughs> um, but I was going part-time, um, taking some classes and um, I was taking an acting class and I needed something creative. I needed something just for me, um, you know, 20, 21, you know, I just needed that for myself, dealing with all everything that was going on personally. Um, and my professor at the time, she said that they were putting on a show and they were looking for a stage manager. Um, and I was like, oh, I used to do that in high school. And so right after class, she made me meet uh, the director of fine arts, John Corley, um, who soon became my mentor. Um, and so I stage managed that show and just fell back in love with it. Um, it was hard to juggle, right? All of the home responsibilities, classwork, um, but from six to nine every day, I was able to focus on something else and create a story, tell a story. Um, and I believe it was my second show with him. Uh, he looked over at me and he was like, you know, you can make this a career. Like you have a really good eye, a great personality. You, got, you have good work ethic. Um, you really could make this a career. Are you sure that you want to continue with nursing? Um, you know, and I thought about it and I don't know, I just put it out of my mind really. And just thought of this as my creative outlet. Um, and then my dad unfortunately passed away and I remember him telling me how excited I was, <laughs> uh, when I would come home and talk to him about rehearsal and my day, um, how excited I was. And he said, you know, if you really love doing whatever you choose to do, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, and it really sort of stuck with me. Um, and so then I was cast in a show. Um, one of the things our uh, John made us do, all technicians and everyone needed to audition for the show. And so I auditioned. And when I told him about the passing of my father and that I'd be you know, a week out from rehearsal, he says to me, well, you have a lot of lines to learn. And I said, what? And, you know, he said, well, we cast you as the lead uh, for the show. And honestly, like, if that wasn't the case, I probably would not be here today. I mean, I was highly depressed. Um, I did not go to class. You know, I withdrew from my classes um, and I would lay in my dad's spot throughout the day. And then I would get up at 2 p.m., get dressed and go to rehearsal. And from, you know, 4 p.m. till 9 p.m., I got to be somebody else. And I didn't have to think about my grief. I didn't have to process my grief. Um, and then slowly through the rehearsal process, I was able to begin the, the stages of grief a little bit uh, through this character. Um, I was cast as Rachel and Reckless. And, you know, within that show, she deals with family and death and passing and the meaning of life and all these things, right, that art teaches us and, and explores. Um, and I was able to begin my journey in, in processing grief. And I remember my mom coming to opening night when she just had tears in her eyes of, seeing her daughter, you know, stepping into a womanhood and putting herself out there. And, you know, I don't know, it was a very special show and will always be a very special show for me. Um, and then I was cast in the next show that we did. And I think it was then that I decided that 
this is what I want in my life. Um, I want to be able to connect with people. I want to be able to create stories. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> that's sort of been my process. Um, I got my associate's degree with HTC. I did about 17 shows with them. And then I went over to U of H. Um, I was the first to graduate with their BFA um, in production degree, which was exciting. Um, I also worked within their office. So primarily I wanted to be a stage manager. Um, you know, John <laughs> tried to talk me out of it and he said that I could make it as an actor, but you know, I was like, I don't know. I think I, I get more fulfillment out of stage management. Um, and so while I was at U of H, um, I stage managed pretty much most of their main stage shows. I was working in their um, office. So anytime we had outside rentals come in, I was their liaison and um, stage manager. Then I began um, networking and I started working with a couple of smaller theaters here in Houston. Um, I child wrangled at Houston Grand Opera for a while. Um, and then they saw me and offered um, a position with their um, community engagement, which was HGO Go, which were these little like one act operas that they would travel to elementary schools and middle schools. And so it was me and like four opera singers and a van. <laughs> and we would travel to different elementary schools and perform this opera and do a little talk back and then, you know, go back to the, the theater unload. And that would, and then I would go to class. Uh, so those, that was my college sort of years. And then, you know, upon graduating, I applied everywhere. Um, you know, but part of me loved Houston. And I remember going to see shows at the alley and, um, you know, I put my application in and got a interview and I got the job and I was there within their stage management department for five years um, and just learned so much. I have maintained those friendships and relationships um, to this day. You know, we often, I often take our kids to see shows there. We are able to have personal talkbacks after the show. Um, I've brought in some of the actors and technicians to come in and speak to our kids um, to let them know that, you know, there is a career out there. And the things that they hear us talk about in our lessons and in rehearsals is true. <laughs> um, so while I was working at the alley, um, I worked at, in Christmas Carol with the young cast. Um, and I just really loved seeing these kids play and have fun and have the confidence and really believe in themselves. Um, you know, and it, in a way, it just made me think of myself of like that recognition of, oh yeah, I do like doing this and this is fun and um, enjoyment and like pure joy, you know? Um, so I decided, you know what, I think I want to be a teacher and I went through the alternative certification, which Texas is great about. <laughs> it was a pretty painless process. Um, and I was, I got my alternative certification, um, and then applied. I love Fort Bend, you know, being a product, I think it is a pretty strong district. Um, I think it's supported well with the fine arts, um, got an interview at Kettner and got the job. I mean, I haven't really had to search. I've been lucky. I haven't really had to go on multitudes of interviews, um, which is good. Um, and the one thing that I do love so much about Kettner, especially that the diversity, um, we are pretty well-rounded and represented through all ethnic backgrounds. Um, it is a pretty, middle-class, working-class population. And I really love working with those kids and, and giving them that support. And honestly, um, after I took over the head position um, about four years ago um, and bringing in my, the assistant, um, I hate saying that because we're usually like co-directors. He's you an know? assistant. Um, we all know. That's how I 
he's, he's definitely yeah. I mean we we are co we are true co-directors yeah. um and a true partnership and bringing Robert Archer in and developing the culture the professionalism um the unity has been just so fulfilling for me um you know my lifelong goal when people ask when I'm at the alley what do you want to do and I said I want to you know open my own children's theater um and be an artistic director of a children's theater. And in a weird way, I am. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, I have the public education, but in a weird way, I am an artistic director. We are artistic directors for, for children's theater. And, you know, we we were just talking about this the other day, you know, as school was wrapping up, um, that we are the, that spark for a lot of kids. You know, we are helping our profession move forward you know a lot of people who are in our careers think back of their high school years and say that's when I knew that I wanted to pursue the you know theater as a career and what an exciting mm -hmm. thing to be able to do you know what I mean like um it's just really great to to put those kids out in the world let them go learn from their professors or professionals and and other experiences that and opportunities opportunities that they're going to have but it all started way back when mm -hmm. <laughs> at Kentner Theater you know um so yeah it's a little bit about me <laughs> yeah yeah that's good and, and I'd agree with you uh, I was actually coincidentally thinking about that a couple days ago about uh being the head director or even just a director at a at a school is almost like that whole you because I had the same wish once I realized I probably won't be an actor is well I just want to open my own space and have my own space and then and then as an educator that's pretty much what you do so because you do become very invested in your space and so sometimes detrimentally so uh <laughs> I don't obsessively, know if, yeah, obsessively that's a better word I, I obsessively a is a word and uh, I don't know if detrimentally is a word or detriment I don't know whatever I make things up like Shakespeare so uh, I wrote a couple things down first of all I don't I don't know if I know you went to UConn how long were you there I was there for a year and a half so you experienced the seasons I did. Yeah. It was insane. Like snow, it I it's pretty. Yeah. You know, it's fun for a day <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, a weekend. Yeah. But no, having to wake up early, scrape the ice and snow and slush Ooh. off of your car. Sometimes and Yukon is a huge campus yeah. with hills. You would have to walk everywhere. Like you're freezing. You are freezing. Yeah. That's where the whole uh walk to school both ways, uh uphill yeah. both ways kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yukon is probably the the reason people say that. Uh but yeah, so that I I guess I never knew that cuz being a Houston girl, uh that probably was kind of a, a little bit of a shock to you. So um the the weather and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not I guess I am a Houston girl, but like originally I was born in Colorado. Right. We lived in Illinois. So like my younger years, I know the seasons, you sure. know what I mean? Okay. But yeah, I mean, there. I moved here in eighth grade, so I was here long enough to forget. <laughs> it, am I, am I mistaken? Was your father in the military or am I making that up? No, he wasn't. in. The oh, so why did you, what did you move for so much? His job. Oh, okay. And this was another thing that like, we talked about, you know, I, I cherish those, those caregiving days, you mm -hmm. know, like honestly coming back and, and spending all the time sitting there getting, you know, his chemo for five and a half yeah. hours. Right. We would just sit and talk. And I really got to know my dad as an adult right. and for him. Yes. He stayed in the, his same field. He did loss prevention. Um, he was a Denver cop until I was born. And then he transitioned more mm -hmm. into like corporate and he worked for drug companies or like drugstores like Walgreens, yeah. um, Dwayne Reed, things like that. Um, and he was like the head of loss prevention. So, you know, making sure that they, you know, catching thieves, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he still sort of got his cop work in, but I don't know. He just, he kind of had that 
not restlessness, but just that um, excitement for adventure and somewhere new, you know, an upward mobility. Um, It just seemed like every five years we moved, (laughs) you know, and then that old saying until you got to Texas and then you realize you were home, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I never moved. Well, I moved away from Texas, but not as a kid, but yeah. Uh, so th- for those of you people that don't know Dwayne Reed, if you've never visited anywhere other than Texas, it's like CVS, but you know, with alcohol. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, they don't, they serve like wine and li- some of them have yeah. liquor and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, mm, I'm jelly. Uh, okay. So, uh, back and way up, uh, for those people that have never met you, you are tall and you come yes. from an athletic family. So, uh, so was there pressure on you at all from whether that be from your family or from like a coach walking down the hall at school, was there ever pressure to be like, uh, why aren't you more active in athletics? Or I know you did, you were active in athletics for a period of time, but like, was there ever like, come on, like, let's focus on this and make it a hundred percent of your life. Was there ever that kind of pressure or was it? were you just kind of able to do what you wanted to do? Yeah, for sure. So my parents always encouraged us, like, since we were little to be in sports, like I literally played every sport until one or two stuck, you know what I mean? Like uh, I played tennis, I played soccer, I swam, I did all those things when I was younger. And then in high school, I really focused on volleyball and softball. And I played until my junior year and we got new coaches <laughs> and I just, you know, my teenage self didn't agree with these coaches and thought I knew better. And, and honestly, it was a struggle. There were sacrifices I had to make with doing theater as well. You know, like I could only do you know, I had to decide if I'm going to play volleyball this year, then I could only do the musical. Yeah. Or if I was going to play softball, I couldn't be a part of UIL. Um, you know, I could work in the fall, things like that. Like, and it just became a struggle and like my teenage, but not really pressure. Um, all my brothers played sports. Um, and now that they sort of see what it takes to do yeah. theater, um, they're like, yeah, that is definitely a sport. They yeah. see, you know, my kids lifting crazy things and not quitting and, and, you know, the stamina that it takes to perform a musical or to perform a straight play. Yeah. Um, and that amount of focus and energy, um, they're like, yeah, this is y'all are beasts. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, good. But no, yeah. my parents were always supportive. There was no sort of pressure from them. Um, yeah. The coaches weren't too happy, but yeah. Well, okay. I mean, because because height is not a a learned thing. Like it's like it's such an <laughs> advantage for high school coaches to have a tall female uh, as a part of their team. Like it's just it's just right or wrong. It's just straight it's up true. an advantage. I mean. When yeah. a six foot girl walks in, yeah. you're like, oh, we need, it's kind of like whenever we see, you know, a tall, manly looking boy, yeah. <laughs> teenager yeah. in high uh, yeah. school I'm always, with a good voice. You're like, so yeah. have you ever thought about acting? Yeah. And that's why we all hate Destiny Miller. Cause she has like 12 of those boys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. She's the worst. Um, anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. And and to an extent, uh, Nancy too. She has some of those boys too. But whatever, yeah, they're, they're the worst. Sure. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not friends with them. So uh, when you were at HCC, uh, wh- what campus were you at? Like, which space did you? Because I know they have a couple of performing spaces. Where where were you when you were doing? Uh, was that that downtown or midtown or whatever location or no? No. So um, I went to Stafford, the Stafford campus, um, and we performed, they had a black box space in a storefront. um, And it only sat like 75 Mm. people. Like it was a really tiny black box. Um, This was way back when. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was right when they were building the Stafford Performance Center Center that was there. Yeah. And we, you know, us 20, 20 somethings were like, oh, hey, let's perform there. And and our director was like, you don't want to perform no. there. It's too still big. don't. You still don't. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's too big. And really, that's where I fell in 
in love with intimate black box theater, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the magic that a black box creates is you can transform it in so many different ways. Yeah. You know, we've put on classic pieces, super modern pieces, and you're just like, oh my God. And then, you know, after your six weeks is done, you paint it all black and start all over again, yeah. you know? And that's another thing that I love about theater is just, um, you never become stagnant. It never allows you to be stagnant. Right. At the moment you get stagnant and repetitive, then maybe this isn't for you, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. And the saying goes for a black box, once you go black, you do a show and then you go back to black, right? Is that, no, I don't, that's probably not the same. <laughs> uh, you and I must have, like, I don't know how we didn't know each other because our paths are eerily parallel um, because I was at HCC, I did HCC Stafford. I didn't do theater, but I was at HCC Stafford around the same time and I was at UH around the same time and so weird that anyway it's but so yeah weird. yeah go cougs also i love how uh how you uh, coincidentally went from uh cougars to kempner cougars and you you know you know yes you had to change the color of your of your ensemble but you didn't have to like change who you were rooting for do you ever like because i know you're active at, you go to kempner football games do you ever like throw up the cougs by accident or like when you say like go cougs or yeah all the time okay all the time and uh, honestly on our <laughs> campus we do all say that's how we end our faculty meetings. Uh, we have a brand new principal who's like super rah rah, and I love yeah. her. She's super supportive of the fine arts, which is rare as well. Yeah. Um, she has a, a strong dance background, um, so she understands the importance of it. Uh, but yeah, that's how we end all of our faculty meetings: is one, two, three, coops. Um, and so yeah, it's nice to bring that back home a little bit, and yeah. always have a soft spot for us. Yeah. It's, do, do, were you there during the time, and they still do this now, but they banned it for a while. But the 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 cheer for UH, the C O U G A R S, the mother cougars. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I assume you don't do that at Kempner Games. Oh well, yes, we <laughs> do. we do. We just, just we just do it a little bit yeah, different. Yeah. Bleep we cha- we have changed yeah. it to it's all about the cougars. Oh, it's all about the cougars, which is how it should have been a, to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, have you uh, had you SM? Did you SM um, uh, before college? Like before going to HCC? Were you doing it in yeah, high school? Yeah, so for sure. Yeah, okay. um, I definitely stage managed when I was in high school, um, and I also ran um, the speech and debate tournaments that we would hold. Um, I stage managed UIL. Yeah, I definitely was okay. a stage manager before. Yeah, and you and you just you've always been kind of this organized person. So, uh, is there still a nurse in you? I think so. I was talking to the kids about it because they also were like, "Wow, you were a nurse," and I said, "At the end of the day, I wanted to help people." Yeah. Um, that's the reason why I wanted to be a nurse, and I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse because I wanted to be in the happiest place of the hospital. Yeah. Um, or it could have been the very saddest place, you know yeah. what I mean? Very two extremes. Yes. Um, but, and I said, I just, I am still helping people. I'm helping you guys realize your greatness. I'm helping hold up to hold up a mirror so you can see how great you are and your potential and to push you and make yeah. you good people you know um archer and i you know we talked about it and we want to have very professional students um we we operate at a very professional level to help prepare these kids for life or if they pursue this in college you know what i mean like they're used to sort of those professional standards um but at the end of the day we just want them to be good humans yeah um, to understand hard work, to understand putting yourself on the line, to to grow and to change, and to realize that you can achieve it, and not to put limitations. Don't be scared of the fear. Yeah, you know that's where your growth is going to come. So I don't mean to change the subject at all, but you said, and it's just this is how my brain works. You said you wanted to be the in the happiest place in the hospital, which I understand also, you know, it could be, a, like you said, the complete opposite as well, but let's stick with the happy part. Uh, <laughs> your, your 
co-director slash assistant slash equal part person is like is his middle name is Walt Disney. Um, yeah. It's Robert Walt Disney Archer. That's his legal middle name. <laughs> so have you been to Disney? Like, like have we have you... only been to Disney once. So we've only been to Disney once as a family. Yeah. So how does he feel about that? Um. Well, obviously he doesn't care because <laughs> I've yet to get an invitation. Do you know what I mean? Like they go to Disney literally <laughs> yeah. four to five yeah. times a year. Yeah. Like I kid you not, we're deep, yeah. deep into UIL and spring he's... break hits. And he's like, I'm gone to Disney. Yeah. Don't bother me. Yeah. But I'm like, well, where's my invitation? Yeah. Where, where like, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're just another person in his line. So you, you that's why he doesn't invite you. <laughs> You're in the way you're in the in between him and that that pineapple pine dole dole lop thing, whatever the hell that ice cream thing is that anyway, but yeah, that's why he doesn't invite you. <laughs> that's funny. But I'm serious. I mean, and he takes it so seriously. He's yes. the one who's up at like four AM getting those deals. Like he's never like been that. before. Like, that's what's that's what's crazy. He he gets up. He gets up so sorry to cut you off. He gets up so early and goes and does the same crap that he's done already three times that year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And he loves it. And yeah. it gets him such like a little high and a buzz. He'll come in like tired, but like I just saved us two thousand dollars. And I was like, look, if you ever want to leave teaching, yeah. like you just need to be a Disney like vacation booker. Because you can do that all the time, and then just be a UIL consultant or judge. <laughs> why doesn't Why doesn't he go off and be a character, or whatever the hell they're called, cast member, cast member? Why doesn't he? Like, yeah, he uh, says eventually that's okay. his dream. He was like, "It's so clean, everybody's so friendly. That's where I want to retire to, and I'll just work at the park." And I'm like, "Well, I love that." But I mean, I re- reap the benefits. I'm I'm obsessed with elephants, so he always comes back with a Dumbo. So like I'm okay, I'm okay, you know. Why are you? I <laughs> don't. We, go ahead, finish. Plus we see each other so much. Yeah. You know what I mean. Sometimes we need a break. We're literally working fourteen hour days, Monday through Friday, yeah. and then on Saturdays six out. Like I see him more than his husband. You yeah. know. So sometimes we need a break. We work yeah. very well together. Um, he is one of my dearest friends. Um, and there's such a high level of respect for each other, but sometimes we do need a break from each other. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's, it's the same with family. Uh, as I sit here right now, my kids and wife are in a different town and you know, I miss them, but I'm like, eh, I could be worse. Uh, so the elephant thing, uh, I think I, I feel like I knew that about you, but what is it? What is it about elephants? Like that has, that has to be a rooted love. It is. Yeah. Um, it comes from my Nana. So my mom's mom was always obsessed with elephants. Um, she had them everywhere in her house. I remember, and I just fell in love with them. I thought they were so beautiful. And, and, you know, she told me, um, that you have, it's important that you get one with an up snout. So the one where its trunk is up because that is, you know, good luck. Never get one with their trunk down. Um, and you have to face it towards the door to allow the good luck to enter. Um, so yeah, I'm needless to say, you tell a student that you collect something or you like something, you better be prepared to like it for the rest of your life. <laughs> because yeah. every birthday, every Christmas, when they want to suck up, it's the elephant. Yeah. And and Dumbo's Dumbo's okay. Yeah, Dumbo's great. I love Dumbo. Okay. I was just uh just wondering because I, I didn't know if that was like a bastardization so you know the the are you're not are you buddhist you're not buddhist are you um, that's a weird no. question huh? okay because um, because yeah. elephants are so like they're very buddhist so very prominent in buddhism so that's that's why i ask yeah i mean i believe in buddhist virtues sure sure think, sure but no yeah. i'm not a practicing buddhist yeah, same um I'm not practicing much, but okay. So back to, back to your, uh, your job. Do your students know that you have an acting background or do they just know you as kind of like stage manager, uh, tech kind of crystal or miss Smith? (laughs) Um, 
Yes, they know that okay. I have acted before, that I've held lead roles before. Um, so yeah, I, it's important for us that our students also are well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, we usually make all everyone audition um, because at the end of the day, a technician or a designer need to be able to get up and make a presentation. They need to be able to think on their feet. They need to be able to give energy to you know, a partnership right? Um, So they need to be able to do all of those sorts of things. So we make everyone audition. Um, The only time it really doesn't come into play is UIL, you know, obviously just because we are so laser focused on that show and who, and you have such limited numbers and things like that, but uh, they go through a rigorous, um, I say rigorous uh, to them. It's rigorous. Yeah. They go through a, an interview process and they have to, you know, answer things and, and do a, a script analysis and those sorts of things before, right. you know, they're even considered for UIL. Oh, that's cool. And you guys start, cause I remember when you took over, it was a little different model and now you guys get the musical out of the way and, uh, and then go straight into kind of building the, world of UIL, even though you're not necessarily rehearsing from day one, you're starting the process uh, earlier than most. So, uh, and it's shown to have some success. So uh, if you will, right? I mean, we try. (laughs) I mean, Elika doesn't come across the table every day, but uh, you know, she, uh, she was an anomaly, but um, uh, amazing. Where is, where did Elika end up going? This is becoming very granular, but where is she? Is she a senior or is she? She's already graduated. Oh, yeah, that's she what I thought. Last, yeah, okay. she graduated last year. Um, she is at Oklahoma City University. Uh, okay. So her and Peyton also yeah. went there. Um, and, you know, to brag on my kids a little bit, uh, because it. of the, those two, um, you know, we went to Thespians this past Thespians and o, uh, OCU were, was there. And we have six seniors who are looking to pursue this in college. And all six of them were had automatic acceptance and scholarships from OCU. Yeah. So they OCU likes a Kempner kid. Well, that, and that's a good, that, that's a really <laughs> good school that a lot of people don't talk about. Uh, I had a, no. I had a, a, a kid Dalton, uh, one of my like top, probably the best pure male singer I have ever come across as a student or as a teacher to student, uh, and he went to OCU and loved it. Um, but you know, really great program. So, uh, good, good for, good for Elika, but a lot, I think OCU is like maybe to Oklahoma kids, they know a lot about it, but, uh, down here in Texas, uh, we don't talk too much about OCU. So, but no, we, and they should though. Like it is such a great program. I mean, Elika already as a freshman has made, um, been cast in two main stage shows, yeah. which is huge for a freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they have um, showcase op- opportunities, study abroad opportunities. And, you know, if you, you they still have that college life. It's just a little bit smaller than like Oklahoma State. You yeah. know what I mean? But they're so close together that the girls have gone to football games and, yeah. you know, still get, getting a little touch of like a big university. Yeah. And it's only, I think it's like eight hours away. So it's far enough, but yeah. not like you have to get on a plane, you know, yeah. um, they're really, really enjoying it. It's, it's kind of the Texas state to UT kind of comparison. It's, uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, uh, so I'm again, uh, this is again, this is how my brain goes. I'm changing the subject like hardcore, like big 180. That's okay. So you were with HGO, which I knew about that. I don't know if I knew that you were like the kid wrangler person, um, because again, this is that parallel when, uh, I did a show with HG, I did two shows with HGO, but the one that I, uh, got hired on for Manon, I was the, because I had worked so extensively with the Houston ballet company, I was hired on at HGO to be the ballet wrangler. So I was in charge of the, the, the girls and boys that danced in Manon. And so anyway, there you go. You, you know, that's there's... so crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Best time of my uh, life. <laughs> I know our lives are really, really crazy. Yeah. I like that. Um, no, I did Hansel and Gretel, uh, which was really fun. Um, and you know, being part of opera, you're just like the grandeur, yeah. right. Um, 
it's just astounding. So I did Hansel and Gretel. And then after it closed, they also did it at the Miller Outdoor, right? As part of that little series that they usually do. And let me tell you, having 26 kids dressed up as like gingerbread kids in Texas heat, it was not fun. Yeah. But it was still fun. You know what I mean? Like it was still like really, it had like a camp like atmosphere. The kids really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was really fun. And then they hired me on to do Aida, um, which I had significantly less children. Um, that was fun, but going back to Hansel and Gretel, um, uh, bad twist. It was the director. And so this was the one that had like all these crazy puppets and puppeteers and it was just so magical. And I was talking to one of the stage managers who was my friend. Um, and, you know, we were making this comparison of, and she said it so eloquently, she said, you know, theater and, and, and musical theater and Broadway, it's like you have, you know, 12, as stage managing it, you have like 12 balls in the air, right? But they're all made of rubber hmm. and um, they'll bounce back and things like that. When you're stage managing an opera, it's like having juggling six balls made of glass Mm -hmm. you know we're they're so expensive they depend so heavily on each other um and so you just have to take it a little bit more seriously and um I was able to intern for two of their shows uh, which was really fun didn't get paid but I got the experience and then out of that internship that's when I landed the you know HDO go so you some opera singers in a van (laughs) yeah opera singers in a van Makes you, you know, when you, when you turn on like journey or something, it makes you feel real inadequate when you're sitting there with four or five opera singers, <laughs> just, yeah, just hanging out driving. Uh, that's pretty funny. So, uh, I want to get you out on, uh, some, you know, a, more of a question towards, uh, your transition from professional to, uh, well, I don't want to say professional to education cause they're both professional, but, uh, the, the world of, outside of education and at the alley and HGO and all those, uh, you know, real theater life experiences to education. So for those people that are hesitant to jump into education, uh, as, as a professional, cause they're still waiting for that golden ticket. They're still waiting for that, you know, moment in the sun where they're going to break through and be world famous and all that kind of stuff. Uh, why don't you give a piece of advice uh, I always go with because I'm not a I'm not somebody that has a background in questioning. I never took speech and debate, so I don't know how the, the this works. But I'm going to ask a question I've asked a lot of people, and you just have to get over it. Uh, let people know that it's okay. Let people know like wh- why is it why is it okay to kind of take that dive into the world of education if you are. Uh, still kind of holding on to straws and hoping that you are going to make it in this theatrical world but know that my you know your calling is really more to be in a classroom and help kids and help even young adults and uh all that kind of stuff let people know that it's you know take the dive the plunge it's all going to work out in the end because for you it's the same it's it's been it's been working out you know it's uh uh you got to go through a couple of uh, you got to iron out some tough years but you eventually uh get to where you need to be and uh, find that find Robert Walt Disney Archer. So <laughs> yeah, that's my it's find your Robert Walt Disney Archer. Find your Walt um, Disney. No, I think my biggest advice to to people who are at those crossroads or 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 contemplating the switch to it, you know, there's that old saying that theater is a dying art, right? Um, it's constantly trying to die on itself. And why wouldn't you want to help? stoke that fire and and keep those coals burning um and that starts with educational theater um it starts with these young people realizing their creativity and not just making another remake or just being tiktok famous or youtube famous which are fine careers like don't there's no shade right but You're also, for those theater one kids or those theater two kids, you're giving them and hopefully an appreciation for for theater and what it takes to do this. It is not made for everyone, right? Um, 
And you're putting better audience members out into that world and better patrons, you know, um, hopefully if nothing else, they're going to go out there and buy a ticket. They're going to go out there and treat their family. They're going to remember, oh yeah, I got to see a professional play one time and it was pretty good. Or, you know, my high school theater, they did some pretty good shows or I, you know, yeah, I played baseball my entire high school career, but I also did, you know, the musical or I did the play and I put myself out there and I learned a lot about myself. Um, another thing that it teaches is that interpersonal communication, right? A lot of times our kids, we're noticing with this generation, um, they can watch these sometimes horrific videos, but the moment you ask them to be vulnerable or open or have that sort of intimacy with another person, they don't, they shut down. They don't know how to, to do that or they don't have certain coping skills, right? So all that social, emotional growing <clears throat> is what these kids learn. And also through them, this is where it kind of gets cheesy is, you know, I've learned so much about myself. Um, I'm not a parent, um, but I have kids for life. Um, you know, I've had kids graduate for who are about to graduate college that still reach out to me on my birthday, that still reach out to me when, you know, they had a really great show. They still, you know, send me Christmas presents or a note or, hey, we're back in town. I want to see you. Um, and so that's really special to me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and some of these kids at my community as well, they don't come from very supportive parents. Um, and so us being able to support them when, when, you know, it's hard for, for whatever reason, you know, their parents are working or, you know, they're too busy or they're too tired, you know, I'm, I'm there, we're there, um, to help create that space for them and and that recognition for them and for them to be themselves. Um, so yeah, is it hard? Look, when I made the jump, I was like, oh, I'll be a theater teacher. I'll have my weekends again. I'll have, you know, all this time off. I'll be done, you know, after rehearsals at 4.30. Um, I work more for this job than I did at the alley. Um, my family has often reminded me of that, um, but I am making a difference in this world and um, it's through theater and it's through educational theater. Minor wisdom.